0: but I, I think we do, although I went back and went over this and thought, hey, uh, how did I measure up to uh, what I said back there? Remember, that I, I gave nine points on the attitude of a bride. The first one was devotion, and so I had to think, am I really devoted to God or to what's sitting in front of me? How did I stand up to that devotion? And I gave a lot of thought this week thinking about that, being willing to give up everything. And I look at all of you out here sitting here in the in the hall and I realize you gave up a lot. And I thought back in in uh nineteen sixty two and three when we first got in contact with uh God's work, that we were willing to give up everything. So maybe it is that we do have Something that we do follow through on. The second point I brought out was submission. Um, how is it? Do I submit to to God? Am I submission to the will of God? Or do I find my own things to do? Uh, the third thing was trust. How how is my trust in God? Do I trust Him in everything? Do I trust Him? if I'm sick, that he'll heal me. A true potential bride of Christ, that's their attitude is, I trust God for everything. Wherever I go, everything that happens in my life, I put trust there. The fourth thing was, am I willing to give up this life for God? Christ did. When he gave up his life, first of all gave up a creative life, and then he gave up a physical life. I believe I remember back it was, I covered Esther, Esther rather, and how Esther was willing to give up her life if it was required for her people. So I said, am I willing to give up? Well, think of it in your life. How much are you willing to give up for the church, for God's people, for God's program, for this world, even though we got a society that's horrible? Are we willing to give our life to straighten out what goes on in this nation today? Because it might require that. was subjection. Now, sometimes it's hard. I've, you know, I don't like to be always in subjection to other people, but in my lifetime, I've found that there are people that know a lot more than I know. And I'm unwilling willing to, subje- uh, to be in subjection to somebody who has a little authority over me. Sometimes we don't always have that. We want to be the one that we have people in subjection to us. When I think, when I remember back in, in business, that the best boss was one that has done everything, and I think they got a new program coming out now, uh, the boss who goes undercover to see what his employees do. Well, that's a good boss. Can you as a boss be willing to be subjection to a somebody under you till they, you find out what they're having to go through? Or how about wives are you subjection to your own husbands? And husbands are you subjection subjected to Christ? Number 6 I had was willing to believe God. Sometimes We get a little bit of doubt maybe here and there. Of course we know that Christ said, he that doubts is damned. So we have to say, well no I'm not, I don't doubt. But ask yourself in your life, do you have any questions about where the, where the church is going or the direction that God's got us going in today? Do we have something that might say, well maybe, Maybe I could do it a little better. Maybe if I was the one in charge, I could do it a little better. The seventh thing was having a good understanding and a beautiful countenance. Well, to have a good understanding, you better know what's in this. And you better be on your knees and asking God for understanding and wisdom because it all comes from God. And last week, I believe it was, we were told, is our countenance, does it radiate when we go and meet people? that whether it be internal here or somebody out that we meet on the street or in a store someplace. Do we radiate God's way of life? The eighth thing I brought out was a is Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. That is something to really put your heart into. Do I see something that needs to be done and do it? Or do I look for somebody else to do the job? The virtuous woman did it all. Do you find something that, hey, maybe somebody else can do a better job, so i just let them do that? No. Are we being a virtuous woman? And the last ones, where do you derive your strength from? Internally? Do you derive it from a a brother or a sister or a husband or a wife? But the attitude of a bride derives their strength from their husband, from God. I brought those out because that was something that I thought that I ought to be doing and since I was questioned on whether I do it or not, I said, look in my life, do I do those things? So that's a question for each one of us. How do we respond? Do we have the attitude of a bride? Or maybe we have a different attitude. Let's turn over to Revelation. Revelation, we know John wrote the book of Revelation, but he was inspired to write it, wasn't he? It's actually Christ that wrote the book of Revelation and he used John as the pen, you know. I know when I'm writing so I want to write a letter to someone or send a message out, my wife can write it a lot faster. She can spell everything correctly and she can get it in good sentence form and everything. So I tell her what I would like to say and I'm amazed how much she can do for me and make it sound so good. (laughs) But that's the way it is here. Christ inspired John to write the book. And I know in world society today, they say, well, this is the revelation of John. It is not the revelation of John. It's the revelation of Christ to mankind and to the church. And we see in chapter two, first starts out, he says, I write this to Ephesus. And he give he he brought things out that Ephesus should do. He said, I know your works and your labor and your patience, and how you cannot bear them which are evil, and you've tried them, which say they are prophets, or apostles rather, and are not, and have found them to be liars. Well, that's a good point. But is this just to one group? Is this just to what we said it was an error of just one error? Well, if we look at verse 7, it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to all the church, not just to Ephesus. We should be out there like Paul Wright or Christ inspired to write, trying these people. Do they fulfill that responsibility that God gave to them? But it is to you and me today too. In verse 8 it says to Smyrna. Verse 9, I know your works and your tribulation and your poverty, but... You are rich, and I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. And then he goes down in verse 11, he says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So again, it's not just to Smyrna or Ephesus. How could, if... Ephesus was the first church. How would they know what's happening down the line? So it must be talking to the church today, doesn't it? Mr. Armstrong specifically said, this book was written to us, to the church. So what happened to Smyrna, or Pergamus, or Thyatira, or Sardis, or Philadelphia, applies to us, doesn't it? So if all those apply to each one of us, then maybe the next group applies to us too. So we're going to look at, or try to get into, the attitude of a Laodicean, because it's to us today too. The first thing we read there in, we'll go to Revelation three fourteen. It says unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, write these things. Says the Amen. So there it's telling you right there that it is Christ who is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the final word. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot or cold. I would, you were cold or hot. You see, God can deal with certain people. He can deal with hot people. So I have to ask, how are we? Are we hot for Christ? Is that the mainstay of our life? Ecclesiastes 9 Verse 10 says, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. So when we find things to do, do we put our whole heart into it? If we're going to be a bride of Christ, do we put our heart into it? That's the job given to us. Do we really jump into that wholeheartedly? We find every aspect of it to, to work and follow Christ. Because he goes on to say, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you go. So you have a short lifespan. God gives you so so much time, when he's called you and he's allotted you so much time, to see if you're going to have that attitude of a bride and be hot and fired up for God. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. This I just picked up off the internet this morning. In Proverbs 8 verse 17. I love them that love me, and those that seek early shall find me. So here the attitude should be, of getting out and seeking God. Our love should be to Him. If we will seek Him early, uh, Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then everything else is going to fall into place. So a hot Christian is going to be out there seeking the love of God putting his whole heart, his whole mind, his whole attitude into it. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. So you young people, it's to you, it's telling you to remember your Creator while the evil days come not, nor in the years draw nigh, when you shall say, I have no pleasure in them. So we need to remember God from the first time we can. Some brought up in the church. Others, like me, came along later. But that was still youthful. We need to look back on that youth, look back on that life that was given to us. Do we remember? Do I remember that? Am I seeking God first? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. Being a hot Christian. Being a hot for doing it God's way. Verse 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Are we knocking? Are we seeking? Is that our life? That's what a hot Christian will do. Somebody that's fired up to doing it God's way is going to get out there and seek to do it His way. They're going to be asking. They're going to be studying their Bible. They're going to be looking for it. Verse 8, For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and unto them that knock, it's open. A hot Christian will do those things. Think of people in, your, in the Scriptures that we can go back to that we could say are hot Christians. How about Daniel? He was challenged many times, but he always was close to God when they challenged him over seeking God three times a day or seeking some other God. What did he do? He prayed three times a day. Wasn't worried about it. He trusted God. What if, about us? If we were questioned, would we be a Daniel? If we were told that uh, you can no longer pray to anything but your nation or whatever thing they set up in front of you, what would you do? Say, Okay. Or would you be so fired up that you would pray to God? Even if it meant your life. They like threw Daniel in the lion's den. Wasn't he trusting God? Didn't he have the attitude of a bride that he trusted God? He was devoted to him. How about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Or Meshach, Meshach, Sindigo? Uh, Shindig- Anyway, these three, they didn't bow down. They said, throw us in the fire. Who cares? Because if if God is for us, God's for us. And if He's not, we're going to die. But nevertheless, we're not going to bow down. We are hot for Christ, for God. Think of Stephen. Remember Stephen? He was a deacon. And he was preaching Christ crucified. And, and they challenged him on it. And they brought him into the council. And what did Stephen do? He knew that they were after him. He built them up first, didn't he? told them how great God was and all the blessings. He told them everything that God had done and then pointed out their mistakes. Sometimes I wonder, can I point out the mistakes of this world? Well, they won't listen. But here's a case in Stephen's life that he was so fired for God, even when he was dying, he said, don't put this sin on them. Yeah, they were sinning. But he said, don't charge them with this sin. You gotta think of Nehemiah. He was fired for God. And there are many others. David, Psalm 119. David was a man after God's own heart. One nineteen verse ten. I think that's what I wanted. Ten or eleven. All nations encompass me about, but the name of the Lord will, uh, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yes, they compassed me about, but the name of the Lord will destroy them. So David wasn't worried about it. I don't think that was a scripture I wanted. but Anyway, David, no matter what he did, you remember he, David had ups when he was with God and David had downs when he did things wrong. But what made David a man serving God, he repented. I think of David as a young man, remember out there uh, watching the sheep, and a bear came along, and David put himself, his life, in front of his sheep and took the bear out. A lion came in, going to take the sheep away. This is all leading up to what he was going to do in the future. And so when David walked down there at that time, uh, they were having a battle with the Philistines, and when I was thinking of that, I thought of the, the Revolutionary War. I've seen scenes where the people used to come out and watch the battles. Remember, they'd come out there and they'd see the North fighting the, the South. And they were out there just observing the battles. Well, here was David. He came along observing the battle. And he wondered, he said, what's going on? Here's the Philistine army and the Israelite army and one individual in the front challenging God. And he went over there and Saul wanted to put his armament on him. But David said, you have to realize, David wasn't a weakling. I don't know how large a man he was, probably my size. And we know that Saul was head and shoulders over everybody else, so Saul's armament was probably big for him. But the biggest thing was that David... Wasn't used to that. David was trusting God. He served God. And so when he went out there to battle, he went out there in trust to God. When we go out in a battle every day, do we trust God? That's one thing to find out. If we are a fired up, hot Christian, and I put down is our commitment level, if you're a hot Christian, your commitment level is really high. You are committed to doing this. You're going to go all the way. When Christ looked down at the disciples and He said to them, Whatsoever, uh, or Whosoever does, in verse in Luke 14, 27, Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Do you bear your cross? Are you that attuned to doing it God's way that you will bear the cross? Verse 28, For which of you intends to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it. When we were first called, we were given an idea. Now we see farther down the line Do we have sufficient to go all the way? Or is there something going to get in the way? We're told to live by every word of God. Not just the ones that seem good, but to be hot and fired up, you've got to live by everything that comes from God. So... I have to ask myself, am I a hot Christian? And God can deal with a hot Christian because he knows the direction you're going in. Well, the second thing is, how about a cold Christian? Well, God can deal with a cold Christian too. We've all gone through an era of time when uh, the church fell apart. And there were some that apparently were never convicted all the way. Where are they today? Well, God looks over there and says, teach people, there will be a time. He can work with them. He can help them in the future. You know, he's back there in Revelation 2.4, said there are those that left their first love. Well, what happened? How many left the first love? I can think of a lot of people. I used to think that they were really tight, really fired up, hot Christians, but then I see they're no longer around. The reason I bring this up because we are not immune to this. We too can be hot and serve God, or we can leave the first love. It a lot depends on your conviction, truly convicted to doing these things God's way, you will not become a cold Christian. But if you find the cares of this world, you might walk away. When you think of the sower, remember that part of it where he went out there and he sowed the seeds and some fell by the wayside. Those people never had a chance. God still can work with them. Some fell on stony ground, and they thought they were going to get into it, and it sprang up, but as soon as a little bit of pressure came along, what happened? They burned up, went away. And then there were those that fell among the thorns. Well, we live in a society today where we... Those of us here who have read and strived and tried to do things God's way, we remember him saying, come out of her, out of Babylon. Have we really come out of Babylon? Because we see that those that stayed into it, and they got choked by the cares of this world. They were really not hot Christians, but they became cold Christians. And they walked away and they let the cares of this world choke them out. So we have to ask and analyze our life. I want to be a devoted Christian. I want to be one that's in submission to God. You can't be in submission to God and be in cares of this world. Matthew 24, verse 11. And we as people, if we're hot, we can see the problem here. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall bound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because the society today, does that tend to pull you away and question what God is doing? We can become cold. And whether we're a child, or a teenager, or a young adult, or like a lot of us out here, I see a lot of gray hairs. We all can become cold if we're not stuck with what we know to do. So here God says, I can work with a hot Christian, because I can give them more, and give them more, and give them more, and You know, and they will take it down and they'll stay with it. And I can work with a cold Christian because I'll just set them aside. When the time is right, I can teach them. But one problem he has, and that's with those that are in between. They're like the person who wants to be in this world and be in the church. I don't, want, you know, I don't want to give up anything. I want to be a part of all of it. Matthew 6.24 says, No man can serve two masters. You cannot be out there serving Satan and God. You can't serve two masters. You'll either you'll hate the one and love the other, or else you'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve God in this world. God is not going to put up with trying to be two-faced. It's a person who is double-minded. Their mind is to do it God's way, and their mind is to do it this other way. And God says if you are double-minded, you're not stable. You can't be stable, but it can happen to each one of us. We live in a society where we have everything, whether it be cars for transportation or planes or uh, food or you know we, we're the richest people in the world, five percent of the world living on fifty percent of the profits of this world, and it's hard to pull aside to stay as a as a fired-up Christian, or it's hard to stay cold. So God says that lukewarm is not what He wants. He spews out the lukewarm. So look at society. Do you want to be kicked out of God's way of life? You can't serve God in manna. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, verse 30. I went to build a field I, I went by the field, rather, of a slosful, and the vineyard of the man void of understanding. So about he walks by there, he's void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over of thorns and niggles and covered the uh, face thereof, and the stone walls thereof were broken down, and I saw and considered well, and I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall poverty come as one that travails, and wants as the armed man." Sometimes you want to be in the church, but you just don't seem to have the drive to get it done. So we want what's on the world, And it's difficult. We all struggle at this day and time for finances, don't we? One way or another, but there are some willing to give up everything. Hebrews 5 seems like it talks about a Laodicean. Hebrews five, when when we know what to do, and sometimes we don't do it. Hebrews five verse 11, first start eleven, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to utter, hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. You know, Laodiceans seem to be dull of hearing. They want to hear it but they don't want to hear it, sometimes they sit and say, I've heard that already. I've heard that. They That's been around for years. I've heard that. For when you, the time you ought to be teachers, so here you're supposed to be ready to be able to go out there and help other people. You have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong drink. God wants us to be having strong drink. But if we're not doing the job we ought to, we're so close to doing other things that God says you need to be re You need to be re-strengthened. But strong meat belongs to those of full age, to a hot Christian. One who is studying, one who is striving to do it God's way. And I know that that's sometimes hard. But again, I want to point out, we are not immune to being lukewarm. I can remember coming into the church and being fired up, but then the 70s come along, and we thought... This is going to happen in 72, and then we were said, "No, oh, well, it might be 75, and then maybe 82." And you know, as time progressed, and things didn't happen like we planned them to happen or thought we were going to happen. I remember we were told you'd only have one year of release before Christ returns. And how many years of release have gone by? How many? Seven time periods? How many? Nineteen time cycles have transpired? You see, when time when when it doesn't happen like we got it planned on, then we become a little lazy, don't we? I've got time. I think there in scripture tells us our Lord delays his coming. Well, God didn't set the timetable that we follow. He's got the timetable. He's got it down right, and it will follow as He directs. He wants us to be fired up all the time. Or just to get out. Just to leave. Get out of it. Walk away all the way. Because He can't stand somebody who wants to be fired up today and cold tomorrow. And fired up the next day and cold the next day. So you're bouncing back and forth. It's like taking a hot cup of coffee and putting an ice cube in it. And you want it hot. And you can drink iced coffee, or you can drink hot coffee, or you can drink a warm glass of milk. I, I can't drink warm glasses of milk. I either have to have it hot or cold. <laughs> to me, warm milk just doesn't, doesn't fit good. It doesn't taste good. So, that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be hot. So, do you, can you, and are you ready to be teachers, or do you have to sit back and be taught again? When, here in Elijah, uh, First Kings eighteen twenty one, and Elijah came unto the people and said, "How long will you halt between two opinions?" Remember this case where these people were. I'm, I'm for God today, but I'm also for the things of this world. I can do this, I can follow the directions that God's given us, and He's supplied us with a lot of information. We, no doubt, have been given a lot of real strong meat. But we also live in a society that has everything for us, it seems. So where are we tied? Are we tied to God? Are we tied to society? Or are we somewhere in the middle? What did Elijah do? He told him, get your people out here. And he showed them that he was fired up. But the people wanted God to direct their life and help them out and heal them and give them a good job, and give them plenty of food, but they also wanted to live their own life the way they wanted to live it, not be told how to live it. That's the way that it's possible for us to find ourselves in that same position. We know that we can come here. We know where God is working but we always also would like to have a lot of the other things. And I know from speaking to, knowing most of us here that we're pretty much fired up for God. But we've got to be careful in our life that we don't want to be in the world too. Because there in James 1, it's where it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If, if we have two opinions, then we're double-minded. We have two ways that we want to live we are not stable. And that's why God says, I, I can work with a hot person. I can work with somebody that I know they, they just gave up on me. They're, they're just not even doing anything. But those that say I'm with God today and someplace else tomorrow, they're double-minded. You can't trust them. You can't trust what they say. So we're going to look at, I have several things and attitudes of a Laodicean. Yes, there are hot Christians and cold Christians and lukewarm Christians. So the lukewarm people, there are certain attitudes that they achieve. The first is, I'm rich. Financially, maybe, some cases. Spiritually in a lot of cases. You know, I hear these I hear the messages. I read the Bible. I'm part of the group. And I'm not saying that we're the only group. We're only a part of what God is doing. But there are so many people say, We've got it made. We go to church, we pray. But we really don't give up everything, do we? So the first is, I'm rich. Rich financially, rich. I live in this country. We have all these freedoms. We have everything we need. I don't need anything else. Luke 18. Um, yeah, Luke 18, verse 11. Luke 18:11. This is the case where the man came in there praying, you know. This is a lukewarm person there. He says, I'm rich, says the Pharisee says. He stood and prayed, thus saying, God, I thank you that I am not as other men. This is something that we need to consider in our own mind to say, hey, I'm not like the rest of the church. I gave up a lot. I come here and I hear all this good, strong information. I'm not like the rest of them. An extortioner, unjust, adulterer, or even as this publican. Here this guy has set himself up as a judge of his fellow man. Because he compared himself to somebody else. We can't do that. I can't compare my understanding or my knowledge or my capabilities to anybody else. It's easy to do that. But that's what a Laodicean does. I am rich. I've got all this stuff here. I'm not an extortioner. I'm honest. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer or a fornicator, or even as this low-class publican here. So which one of us can we look at and say, I'm better than they are? Or what group out there, what organization is better than us? Or we're better than them, put it that way, What we're better. We can't say that. He goes on to say, I fast twice a week and give tithes of all that I possess. Isn't he justifying his actions? It's a very difficult place to find yourself. To thinking that you have so much more than anyone else. I'm better than they are. Hebrews chapter 13. And Paul is telling us to remember those that lead us. And sometimes we think, We've got the greatest leader. Or maybe I'm better than the leader. But here Paul's pointing out, remember them that have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, and notice whose faith follow. So he wants us to follow those that he sets over us by their faith. So if we're going to compare ourselves, am I as faithful as those that God set over here to teach us? Now I've got to look into my own heart to see where I am and consider the end of their conversation. So, am I better and somebody else is our group better than another group? Are we rich and increased with goods? And Romans 11:20 says, "Well, because of unbelief," talking about those that were grafted in and those that were taken out. And you stand by faith; be not high-minded, but fear. If we look over there and think that we were brought into this group because we're so good, take a lot of care. Remember, the first attitude is that I am better than somebody else. I am rich. We need to be humble. We heard that in the sermon. Sermon that, rather. Being humble in front of our God. If you're humble, seeking God first, then you're not going to go up there and say, I'm better than you are. You can't do that. Verse 25 goes on to point out that lest you should be wise in your own conceit. So a person says, I'm rich, and I've got all these things, they become wise in their own conceit. They are better than the rest of them. And that's not the case. We're no better than anybody else. It's just that God was able to look into our heart, see that we had something like David or Stephen or Daniel, and see that we were humble enough to realize that He could teach us that we were enough of a hot Christian that we're ready to really be led into doing things God's way. And again in Romans 12 verse 3 says, points out, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. A rich person, the first attitude is, I am rich and better than the rest. <laughs> Well, we're not. If we have that attitude, and you're thinking that in you, in, and in think, maybe, maybe just, I might be approaching that area of being a Laodicean. There's a lot we need to know we don't know. Point two is, we don't need anything else. A Laodicean says, I don't need anything else. We have everything Mr. Armstrong gave to us, and we don't need any more. That's all we need. We're going to make it. All we need to do is stay here, stay, pray, and pay, and then we're going to be taken to Petra. Well, I don't think we're going to Petra, and I don't think we can just sit here, stay, pay, and pray. I think we've got to go a lot farther than that. We need a lot. First of all, we need God's guidance. We need His Strength. You know, what's that? I brought out here, we need to be devoted to God. So, Do I need anything? Oh, yeah. I need to be more devoted to God, to His way. I need to be more submissive to God, so I can't say, hey, I don't need anything. Because there's a lot we need to have. We need to trust God more. But a lay of the scene says, I don't need any more. We've got what we need. Deuteronomy 8, chapter 8, verse 11 through 14. Beware that you forget not the Lord your God in keep, in not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you this day. Here was a whole group of people. The whole first church The nation of Israel gets them out there and says, don't forget what God has given to you. His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes which cover a whole lot more than what we might think. Do we need something? Have we need of anything? Well, I think we need to better understand the commandments. I think we need to better understand what the judgments are. And I'm sure we need to know and better understand all the statutes that are set out in front of us. When we don't keep a statute of of this county, we find ourselves in trouble, don't we? If we don't keep a statute that comes from the government, we find ourselves in problems. We can't ignore those statutes. We can't ignore the judgments and we must keep the commandments. Lest, verse 12, Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built goodly houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiply, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be filled up, or lifted up rather, and you forget the Lord your God. Talk to us way back in the very beginning of the nation. We could forget God if we come to the point to think we don't need anymore. We don't need God's help anymore. But we do need it. Every day we need it. God brought us here. We didn't bring ourselves here. So do we have everything because we're here? No. So the second point of a Laodicean is, I don't need anymore. What else do I need? I'm living in this nice community. I've got all these good friends that are keeping the Sabbath and you know, and I I need some help. They'll come and help me. What else do I need? We need God's commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, don't we? And we need His love. And we have to be very careful that we don't get lifted up that we have it made. Being here is not having it made. There's still a lot of work to go through. Proverbs 30 verse 5. Proverbs 35. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Oh, do I need something? You bet. I need to get rid of the vanity. Vanity of vanity. Uh, The preacher said, all that we do becomes vanity. And get rid of the lies and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. We need to stay close to the Father. There's a lot of things yet to come. We don't have it made. We don't have everything that we need. In Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, tells us that pride goes before destruction. A person that says, I need nothing, he's pretty proud, isn't he? <laughs> and I got it made. But the preacher said, pride comes before destruction. So talking to a lay of the destruction is right there. It's teetering on the thoughts that I don't need anymore. In a haughty spirit before a fall, better it is to be of a humble spirit With the lowliness and to be divided, divide the spoil with the proud. So we need to again be humble, seeking God, doing it His way, and recognizing that there's a lot yet to learn. There's a lot more that we don't understand. Every Sabbath, every time we open the Bible, and I've got the Bible on a CD, and I sit there and listen. I can listen to the whole chapter. I can listen to the whole book, and there, and get the, the whole sense of what was going on, and realize there's so much I don't know. And so I go back and listen to sermons, and say, why didn't I hear that the first time? There's so much out here that 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 seems like it just goes over my head. So to hear the sermons again is very important. And to listen, realize that I don't know it all. And if, as an individual, each one of us has to put ourselves in this category, as an individual, do I think I know all the answers? Or is there still something I don't know? In Proverbs 26, 12, Tells us, seek you a man wise in his own counsel. There is more hope for a fool than him. So here's a, the preacher saying, a person that thinks he's, I'm great, <laughs> I'm the man. There's more hope for a person that doesn't have the understanding. Ecclesiastes seven verse sixteen. Be not, uh, be not righteous overmuch. Neither make yourself overwise. Why should you destroy yourself? So a Laodicean doesn't recognize that he's literally destroying himself by thinking, I'm so great. A third point, a third attitude that a Laodicean will have is I'm wretched... Doesn't uh, doesn't understand, so he doesn't recognize that he is wretched and miserable. A Laodicean doesn't recognize that. He thinks, "I'm fine. I don't see me having a problem." And yet, Matthew five, three says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Somebody who thinks. <laughs> doesn't think he's wretched and miserable, because he doesn't look into his own life, he's looking at someone else's life. So if we're judging other people, we look out there and say, oh, I can see, there's my wife, she doesn't She don't know as much as I do, she can't do all these things I do. Or I see a brother or a sister and think, what's wrong with them? Don't understand that in reality, there's a lot I don't know. And so I'm wretched and miserable. But a Laodicean doesn't see that. They think they've got it made. The fourth attitude of a Laodicean would be, he doesn't see, he's blind. There's so much out here, I know it all. I know everything. And they look out there, and God says in in Isaiah forty two verse nineteen, "Who is blind but my servant, or deaf but my messenger that I sent, or who is blind as the as that is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant?" So we look out there and see. Maybe God's servants are blind, not me. I see all the answers. You can't tell me. I already know it all. It's God's messenger. They're blind. They don't know what's going on. Maybe God's blind because He don't see how good I am. Why ain't I doing more? Well, an attitude of thinking, I can see everything. And don't recognize there's a lot yet to learn Paul wrote in Romans 7:24, oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from this body of death he want well, to know I have stuff I don't know So being blind and not recognizing that you are blind. Christ in Matthew 23 talked to the scribes and Pharisees. These are the people that were the leaders, the spiritual leaders of the country. I mean, Do we have people in this country who are leading this country? Verse 16, Woe unto you blind guides which say, Whoever shall swear by the temple is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold in the temple is the debtor. Wait a minute. They're talking about people, Christ talking about people that are leaders who make the decision and tell you what's right. He called them blind. Verse 17, You fools and blind, what is greater? The gold? Or the temple that sacrifice, or the temple that sacrifice the gold. Or whatsoever shall swear by the altar is nothing, but whosoever swears by the, the gift upon the altar is guilty. You fools, you blind, what's greater, the gift or the sacrifice? Sometimes we don't see The importance of things. Yes, there's an attitude of being blind. I'm not blind. I know all the answers. Why should I sit and hear some of these things? Why should I be kept back? I've known people over the years. They got angry because they thought they ought to be the deacon or the elder, or they should be the song leader, or they should be this or that or something else. Because, hey, everybody knows I'm great, everybody knows how good I am. The fifth attitude, and think about it, you don't realize you really are naked. When it gets down to that point of saying, I know it all, you don't realize you're miserable. I know it all, but don't realize you're blind. I know it all, you don't realize that when it comes to wearing spiritual garments, you can become naked. Much of the church is in an area like that right now. Much of the church doesn't realize that they don't have the right garments on. Remember the wedding brought in Called invited some. They didn't want to come. So went out in the street and brought in others to fill the wedding. And one came in with the wrong garments on. They didn't see that he was dressed improperly. But he was. Because he couldn't see that he was blind to the to truth. We're talking spiritual blindness and spiritual nakedness. You think you've got the right garments on, but you don't. When Genesis, when Adam and Eve came and confronted God, when their eyes were open, they thought, hey, we're blind. We're naked. We're naked. But that was because they didn't know God. So, do I have the right garments on? Ask yourself: Am I really naked when it comes to coming in front of God? So the attitude of the five points there of a lay of it can, we can, it might be that we are in that same category. We can be a hot Christian. We can be a cold Christian. We can be lukewarm. And we see a lukewarm person is double-minded. They don't understand they're naked. They don't understand they're blind. They think they've got it made. But they don't have it made. They come up really short. They really fall short of a mark of excellence. So we can see when you look at the two positions to be in: one of being a fired-up Christian, one who is—find uh, it back here. Too many pages. One who is following God all the way. One who is dedicated. A person who trusts God for everything? If you trust God for everything, you certainly are not blind. You're not naked. You're not falling short. But you're being a devoted individual. You're being a true Christian. Turn to Proverbs 31 because this is what we should be. I wanted to end it with 31 because this is what the bride of Christ will be like. Won't be wishy-washy, won't be double-minded, won't be thinking I can, I can continue to live in this world and live in the church or I can continue to look good when I'm around those that are part of God's way of life, but when I'm away, I can do something different. I can do my own thing, because who's going to see it anyway, other than God? Proverbs 31, verse 10, Who can find a virtuous woman? Who's going to be able to go out there and see a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust her so that he shall have no need of spoil. This is the attitude, remember, of the bride of Christ. Totally opposite from the attitude of a Laodicean. She will do him good. Oh, look at the problems. She'll do him good and not evil all the days of her life. So all the days of our life, if we're wanting to be the bride, we're going to do good for Christ, for Emmanuel, for our our beloved uh, husband and our father. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. We should be that trusting to our father, to our husband. She rises up while it's yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maids. We're going to have a time when we're going to have others that are going to need help. Are we ready to get up early? Stay up late if it requires it. And to give to everybody. Well, that's the virtuous woman. That's the attitude of a bride of Christ. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Are we willing to get out there and do the job that needs to be done? She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perce- uh, perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle grows uh, not out by night, where she keeps whatever it takes. She's always ready to do it. Totally opposite from a Laodicean. A Laodicean who thinks, I've got it made. Well, she was has service. She really didn't have it made. Did she? she made it. She made herself work. She lays her hand to the spindle and her hand holds the the staff. She stretches out her hand to the poor, and yes, she reaches forth her hand to the needy. This is the type of person we should be. Opposite from I'm rich, increased with goods and need nothing. A person who realizes that they are human. They do have faults. They do come up short. And they see sin, doesn't do that. They don't see that I mean, their eyes are blinded. They need something to help them to see. I need to put on the right proper garments. She makes herself covered coverings of tapestry and clothing of silk and purple. And her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Does our actions the way we live our life make our god our christ our father and our husband known because of the way we live our life she makes fine linen and sells it and delivers it and delivers uh, girls unto the merchants Well, we have a lot that we can do yet. We first of all have to come and understand, one thing we really understand is that when Paul, uh, rather when John wrote the, the book of Revelation as he was directed, it was written to all of us. Written to each and every one of us. Some of us could lose that first love if we don't keep our mind to it. We could find ourselves not doing our part. There are those that claim to be apostles and aren't. And How do you know they're not? You tell them by their fruit. The way do they live their life. It requires for us, if we're, going to be a a bride of Christ to work and not be a Laodicean. And when Christ told John to write it, he said, tell it to the churches. All of the churches. So whatever group we wind up in, whatever's been written to any of the groups, applies to us too, as an individual. We want to be the bride of Christ, but we don't want to be a lay of the saints. God have already said I'm going to get rid of the lay of the because I can't deal with a double-minded person. Can't trust them. Remember that? One of the attitudes of a bride is trusting. You are trustworthy. I can look out there and say, I know that person. That's what God says. I know that one. I know the other person. This other person, you know, I can't, I can't tell whether they're with me or against me. So, think about everything that we hear. It's important to be the bride. But we also can slip. So don't just point the finger at somebody else and say, you're a Laodicean because You know, if that's what you're doing, if you're saying, hey, you're a Laodicean, what are you saying? Look at me, I am probably the Laodicean.